from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And uh, we're headed into the uh, holiday season here. If you're listening to us uh, live on 1200 WAI, uh, you've got a few days left to finish that uh, holiday shopping. Uh, so uh, hopefully if you're, you're running around late, uh, one of the uh, physical safety, this is not a cybersecurity tip, but we'll give it out. Uh, put the packages you have in your car, boxes in your trunk. Um, if you're going to put them in the back seat, uh, try to put them down on the floor. Other things don't make it really obvious and make yourself a, a target. And this is uh, just the things that we recommend online as well from a cybersecurity perspective. Uh, you can do things that just use good judgment uh, and you'll keep yourself safe online. If you wouldn't uh, trust something in, uh, in person, you probably should not trust it online as well. Over this holiday shopping season, if you have been doing some of that online, uh, which is a, a wonderful way to do it, there's a new way of shopping online. It's called uh, Buying for Others, and I'm joined uh, this week by Katie O'Quinn, the CEO of Deer Duck. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk uh, some about uh, how does this online shopping work? How do you, you see some of these? Uh, if you're going to be able to stick with us on the radio, that's great. If uh, not, we'll be uh, up uh, the day after Christmas uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, uh, as well as... Uh, iTunes or Pocket Casts or any of your favorite podcasting service out there. And if you uh, do like to listen to the program uh, on a podcasting service and we're not on your favorite one, uh, let us know on Facebook or Twitter at CyberTalk Radio. We will uh, add our program and we will get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt for helping us discover uh, yet another uh, podcasting application out there. So Katie, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to, to chat. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Deer Duck, where where did it come from, and kind of uh, what led you to this? Oh, um, a lot. A lot of things led me to start Deer Duck, and I'll share a, I'll share a funny story with you. When I was five years old, um, kind of starting there, and then going into my adulthood and and professional life. But I've always been obsessed with learning about people. And my parents found it extremely annoying. Um, but when I was about five, I would do things like give garden tours at my grandmother's house. My first job, I charged a dollar. The garden was about the size of this table, which for the listeners is small. Um, but I wanted to know what everyone's favorite flower was. And I would pick that flower and, and bring it to them and remember that. And it was my way of feeling close to them. Um, and growing up from that point, always trying to understand what everyone loves and why. And that's hard. Um, think about all of the times that you need to know what someone likes, even if it's bringing a bottle of wine to someone's house. It's, um, it, it's very hard to do. That's what we call buying for others. Yes. And fast forward, I was an IT consultant for companies like Walmart who dealt with a lot of consumer data. And um, they have the same problem of trying to understand their customers and what they like. Yeah, and it, it's an interesting one. Is uh, there's all this online tracking? We've done uh, a couple of episodes about uh, data privacy, and, and mm -hmm. for uh, those that um, haven't heard those episodes, you can go back and listen to that in our archives on our website or the podcasting, as I said. But the when you're online, you're coming through a web browser, and that kind of computer just sees you as this browser and this IP address, and maybe some of these these sort of generic things. But you could be buying something for yourself. You could be buying something for your cat. You could be buying something for your 
your significant other. You could be buying something for your grandma. Um, and so the, it's not really sure. Like if you buy for all these different people uh, through the same web browser and the same thing, it's pretty a confusing profile that can end up. Yeah, I actually have a hilarious story about that. My boyfriend, Sean, bought me a pair of yoga pants last year. And to paint a picture, he's about six nine like super tall guy does not wear yoga pants yeah. um and after yoga capris even, yeah. even yoga, the regular he, would be capris right. he wears yoga capris come on um <laughs> <laughs> so he buys the pants and and i won't even go into the fact that they were like the wrong color the wrong size you know he needed help yeah. choosing the right pair so i returned them um and sean vowed never to buy me yoga pants again there you go. um he didn't trust that that retailer could help him make the right choice for me but the funny part after that, he started receiving emails as if he himself wears yoga pants. And so that business was paying money to learn about their customers, but without the right context. Yeah. So the last one that he got, and I not kid you, word for word, said, Sean, we have your favorite pair of body-hugging, butt-boosting pink yoga pants in, and you have to get your size before we run out. And he unsubscribed. So they paid money to lose a customer. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, and this happens offline as well. It says, if, say, if you, you have a, a shared credit card and I buy stuff on the card and my significant other buys stuff on the, on the card, that data gets fed back through offline systems. So it's not just for listeners out there. It's not uh, from a data privacy and tracking perspective. Um, those longer episodes where I go into depth about this, the tracking happens all sorts of angles. It's not just on the Internet through your web browser or through your cell phone. It's everywhere this information is collected because they're trying to figure out how to personalize and recommend the correct things to us. And um, as much tracking is going on, you may, it's not accurate in a lot of cases these days, as, as uh, your story with Sean. Uh, right. Absolutely. Out. It's not accurate. And we also, you know, as consumers using that example, whether it be credit cards or websites, we really don't have a say in what we're marketed. Um, we don't have the opportunity to say as a whole, this is who I am. This is what I like. And this is. These are the people I care about and that I want to, you know, discover things by. So yeah. lots of angles. So so you you founded Dare Duck out of Houston and you, you've made the move to San Antonio. So what was uh, kind of different for you uh, working on the company from Houston and, and San Antonio as you've made this transition? Yeah, we moved the company from Houston to San Antonio about six months ago. And we initially moved to join an accelerator called RealCo, which is a long-term accelerator for startups with the goal of getting you to Series A. Um, so that was an attractive reason for us to move. Um, but also, you know, some of the, the things that brought us here and that were attractive about the city are that it's changing, it's growing, um, it's an exciting time to be here, and it's accessible, um, whether that be people, mentorship, um, funding, but also just the ease of getting around and running a business. Yeah. What takes, you know, when I'm back in Houston, and I love Houston, but when I'm back there, if I'm go driving to three meetings in one day, that's my day. It's gigantic. It's huge. Yeah. And I think folks from, from San Antonio, if you're listening out here and, and you've never made the trip um, over to Houston, um, just picture San Antonio and then picture four San Antonios. So roughly, like if you just took our 1604 loop and you kind of stuck four of them together, that kind of gets you the whole Katy to Galveston is about that, about four times the size. Yeah. yeah. It's just gigantic. Well, and to put it into perspective, the, when I moved to Houston about 10 years ago, I remember I was going to Austin for the first time, and I had been in the car for about an hour. And I look at my map and I go, 
I'm still in Houston. <laughs> I was still in Houston an hour later. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't in much traffic. <laughs> no, no, it's just big. Yeah. So in moving to San Antonio, uh, you, you've also, uh, so you joined Realco, and then you found some customers here in town as well. I did. And we've had amazing customers here. One of them, um, if you're listening in from San Antonio, I'm sure you're familiar with Pearl, um, the Pearl Brewery area. And they've been an incredible um, customer. They were our first, our first one. And having them here and local has been amazing. Yeah. So this buying for others category and so trying to, to make the Internet smarter in a way so that we're actually providing helpful uh, advice out to people that want to shop like Sean wants to buy the right things for right Sean, he does <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to buy the wrong yoga pants and he doesn't want to buy yoga pants for himself so right so how how does a, a, a customer like the pearl how how are they uh working with you guys to provide better information out to the people that go to the pearl and want to experience things there yeah absolutely so Pearl is unique in the fact that there's so much to do there um you can go shopping you can um, do you can join experiences, concerts, and markets, and um, you can eat eat out. So they have pretty much everything, um, which created a unique problem for them. They have so much content, and they have so many things to offer. But you know, understanding what each person wants to see was problem number one, um, and making sure that they had the right context behind what they wanted to see, so that they weren't dirtying that data. Um, and then part two is that people go to Pearl with friends. Um, they like to, you know, go to restaurants and experience different things with them, and they also shop there for people. So the way that Deer Duck works in this buying for other category with Pearl is that, you know, historically they would send one email to everyone. Now they, you can create a Pearl profile pretty much with your preferences, whether it be wine types, different categories, wine types, um, things that you enjoy, types of shopping. Um, and then you can also connect with your friends. So you have this unique URL that connects you, and that's what we call a BFO link. So Sean and I, he now, you know, we're connected. So he can now get emails from Pearl that say, here are things you would like to do, but here are things Katie would also like to do um, and that you might enjoy together. And different, um, based on relationships, um, different um, events can be triggered. So before my birthday, he could get recommendations of things to buy for me based on my preferences and telling him why. So, you know, back to that, uh, what you mentioned of Sean wants to get the right thing. So showing Katie would like this because she likes, um, you know, black ankle length leggings, you know, whatever it may be. No, and that's great. Yeah, I think we all want to be thoughtful. Right. Some of us are better at it than others. Right. Uh, Yeah, some of us are really bad at it like me. (laughs) You know Uh, what? It's so funny because so many people tell me, they're like, I'm really good or bad at gifting. Yeah. And in reality, it's you might be good or bad at it with certain people um, and based on like what you can know about them at that time and what you can discover. So you guys are are utilizing um, artificial intelligence as part of this whole platform now? Because this is another thing. We've had a, a couple of folks on talking uh, on the program about AI and training AI. And then there's cyber bad folks that are going to try to feed the AI bad information so that it will do malicious things. I guess here, it could. the, the worst case on this one is that somebody buys you the wrong color yoga pants again. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> How terrible. dare they? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, so a couple of things they're using AI. One of them is um, our goal is to help people 
build better relationships. And going back to that five-year-old self, you know, that was always how I felt close to people. So it is to, you know, not only do we allow people to get recommendations for others, but we're constantly teaching them about what they have in common and, you know, the things that they like versus, you know, don't like. So that's step one. And then we really use AI to learn about each individual relationship so that we can get smarter, so that we can learn that Sean is a significant other and these are things that he likes to do with me and buy for me. Um, and then if it's a coworker or, you know, if I wanted to send you a thank you gift or, you know, what have you, it's learning about those individual relationships based on frequency that you're engaging with that person, um, based on the number of actions you're taking or buying for them, um, so that it becomes very individual for every relationship. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and we're talking about buying for others, uh, San Antonio startup ecosystem, and uh, just uh, all those emails you get online after you, you go shop somewhere and uh, they send you the wrong thing. Uh, our guest is working on helping retailers fix that so they can be thoughtful and we can be thoughtful. So, Katie, as, as uh, you've uh, been out now working with uh, Pearl and, and some other customers, uh, we were talking off air for a little bit that uh, there's none of us are the same. I guess, really. And like the, it's, as soon as you, especially as you start looking at the graph network, how are you guys thinking about this and having that conversation with the, the, your customers and the, the folks you're working with? Yeah, the way that we think about customer preferences is similar to our DNA. We call it consumer DNA. And what's been fascinating to see is that because we're drilling into these little details of what you like, so not that you clicked on a bottle of wine, which is how it's historically done, but it's that you like these types of wine, these taste profiles, these different things. Um, and that's just one example, right? But imagine that across the board with food, with candle scents, all of these things. Yeah. Um, that's what really drives what you, you know, why you like what you like, which is what we're interested in. And um, the fascinating things are that when you combine all of these together, it creates this sort of consumer DNA. And we're seeing that really no two people are the same. There are millions of potential um, variables or possibilities whenever you start combining these at scale. And Pearl, for example, we were talking about them earlier. Um, no two of their customer profiles have come back the same. Yeah. And, and that's a, an interesting one for me because you're uh, still uh, pretty early with with them. And usually, I mean, it's, uh, the way I think about stuff is, is you're starting out um, this is not that you are saying no two are the same after 10 years of history with these accounts that that no one matches, that even as things are, are starting up and profiles are getting built and you're starting to collect uh, and organize their, their DNA um, early on, even at that level, no two are the same. Right, absolutely. And, and the more that we, the more preferences that we add, you know, the more diff the more different the <laughs> people will be. So, um, right, it's it, you know that's in one category, and we have I think that one category represents about over five hundred thousand variables, um, and then as we start layering them, that's when it becomes millions. I mean, I guess as we're in the the holiday shopping season this year, uh, I mean, folks are getting bombarded with recommendations. How is this going to evolve uh, over time? Because I mean, I I I think we heard that the the kind of Black Friday Cyber Monday sales were down somewhat online mm. this year, or versus the forecast. Maybe they still more money was still spent, I guess, but right. it was not as as much higher 
Like, are people just because the recommendations are wrong or is this fatigue? What are you hearing as you're having conversations out there? Yeah, you know, I think that there, there are a couple of things there. One of them is that retailers have sales all the time. Um, yeah. So I know I was, you know, looking out for a couple of things and they are the same sales that they had last month. So it's not a huge difference. Um, another thing there is that people buy for others all the time. And so what we're seeing is this trend around the holidays. Um, and think about yourself, you know, people used to buy for other people and give so many holiday gifts. And we're even seeing that within businesses that people are giving, they're not giving as many gifts during December, Christmas, Hanukkah, this time frame, but they're spreading those out throughout the year. And so it's not as concentrated at the end of the year. Yeah, and for, for me personally, I know I try to, to and I'm not very good at it, but uh, <laughs> is to time the, the gift with the the context when it will be the most meaningful and it may not be the most meaningful on a, a holiday um, that is some somebody else is effectively potentially made up I mean some of these uh, like I mean Hallmark invented Valentine's Day I believe. right <laughs> right um, well Galentine's this new one right which is like all about the girls that you love um, so it's yeah. interesting um, yes and in all you know something that we're working with a couple of our customers on right now is how to be the most thoughtful and how to be the most meaningful. We give to people to create that connection. Um, and so, um, for example, maybe, you, th this might not be the best example, but maybe you love espresso. And I know that. And it's National Espresso Day. How amazing, how happy would you be if I sent you something on that day and you would feel super special that I remembered that and I knew that um, rather than just lumping that into you know, something that you receive on the holiday time during the holiday time. Yeah. If, if you, if you knew Sean likes espresso and you bought right. an espresso on Valentine's day, that it's like, be, Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But if it was a national espresso day, that's even, yeah, it's just like an increased level of thoughtfulness. Exactly. Right. Yes. Um, and then you also asked about the recommendations during the holidays and I'm sure everyone has seen, have you seen like the gift guide for him or the gift guide for her? So thinking about that and how it's almost funny because that's assuming that everyone that would, you know, every him or every her would fit within this guide. Yeah. And when you look at it and you really start thinking, oh, this would not, you know, this person would not like this or this person wouldn't. And you think about that consumer DNA aspect of everyone being completely different. It's impossible to make recommendations if you don't know who the end user is. Yeah, because we, we, we talk so much these days about how it's it's bad to stereotype things, but that's effectively what brands are forced to do right now. They right, go, they have no you, option. <laughs> yeah, you, you are an 18 to 24-year-old that lives in this zip code, or maybe they don't even get that granular, but you're an 18 to 24-year-old female in this zip code that's attended some college but hasn't graduated yet. Exactly. So you must love this. You would love this sweater. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, so this is, um, I haven't shared this with many people, but I used to play this game with my friends when I was younger. And we would take a magazine, back when magazines were a big deal, um, and like flip it open to one of those pages that has all of these things on it. And it would, you know, you'd have to guess what the other person would like what the most. Their favorite, yeah. Yeah, like guess like what it. my favorite thing. And people get so nervous. Like you, I remember like as a little girl, you know, you go, like you kind of pause and you like you pick like three You're like well this this or this because you don't want to get it wrong yeah but that's essentially what like choosing something for someone is when you don't you're not we don't think like oh she likes polka dots and red and high neck sweaters <laughs> so. and this is why i mean you just end up with so many gift cards given right because people are afraid to pick the wrong thing and if you pick 
if if I know that I've seen you buy something at a certain store before, I can just give you a gift card to that store and it's safe. But it's right. not very personal. Exactly. Right. And and what's interesting there, one is like the worst thing is like a gift card to the wrong store. You know, that's just bad. <laughs> but to your point about um, gift cards, so it might be impersonal for a certain type of relationship. So if you think of um, like a business relationship or a good friend, like giving them a gift card, even if it's to their favorite store is a little bit awkward and like not personal. Giving one to your, like if a mother gives one to their daughter or you know, that's fine. Um, yeah. So, but that goes back to these preferences, and that not only do we have these preferences of what we like and why, like taste and visual aesthetics, but we have different preferences and expectations on different types of relationships, which really starts playing into that model as well. Okay, so one one of the things I'm sure our our audience will enjoy. So, as you say, <laughs> that the taste aesthetics, like uh, good gifts, bad gifts. Uh, do you, you have a an example of, of something that went real well or, or uh, stories about something that, that went totally wrong? Yes, we are. I'm lucky enough to get a lot of stories. People love sharing these yes. um, whenever they talk to me about the topic. And, um, you know, in general, I, I, the, a good rule of thumb when looking at best worst gifts is if you're able to give a gift when, you, when you're picking something out for someone and you can go, oh, this is so... Susie because she loves XYZ then that's a good choice um, but then when you imagine if someone asked you whenever you gave them a gift and said why did you think of me for this what would you say and it's terrifying <laughs> um, so one of my I think like overall the worst gifts that I've seen are the times when people put so much thought into it and they tried to be really thoughtful it wasn't just that they went and got a random thing so one of my friends actually I'm putting her on the spot but her husband gave her, have you guys seen those, um, it's like a 3D looking crystal picture. Like you would bring a picture and it's like a kiosk in the mall. Yeah. Have you seen these? Yes. And they're kind of scary. Um, so he was in the mall one day, I guess, past the kiosk and decided that she would love this. So he got a few of them done of the family, you know, individually and then the family together. And so... He put so much time into it. They weren't cheap. And now it's that feeling that she feels like she has to put them out. Yeah. And it's awful. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry if you like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone right now is looking across a room at a, at a bookshelf uh, with them or they're picturing their bookshelf while they're driving in their car going, oh, man, there is one of those up there. Yeah, yeah. there is one. It's there okay. You can tell them that it just isn't you. It just is not. No, I, I, and then uh, best gift, worst gift things is uh, th these are always ones where you, you get the good blooper stories where um, you have a, a boyfriend or a, a husband that buys like the the thigh master for their their yes. wife or their girlfriend. <laughs> like this is that's not an appropriate gift. But you always say that you want your thighs to be stronger. <laughs> yes, yeah. You, were t you talk to me about it all the time, so I, I bought this. Yeah, no, not an appropriate gift. Same thing if you you're. Your, your boyfriend or your husband probably does not want the eight-minute abs video. Maybe right. talking about wanting a six-pack again, uh, dreaming back to the days of high school um, or when they were younger, but that's not an appropriate gift usually either. That's the thing that, that someone should buy for themselves. Exactly. Yeah, this right. is not on the buying for others list. Yeah, and, and it's thoughtful, right, because you're listening to them. So part of this, there's actually this really interesting equation of what it would take to choose the right thing for someone else. And it's like you listen times two, so that one counts for two of the elements, and then you observe them and watch what they like and what they're doing. Um, and then you 
take out the self-desire of what you want. We often like give people things that we want them to want. So you take that out and then you're like lucky enough. Luck is one that you're able to discover something that fits that mold. So, right. Even if you're observing and listening about the thigh master, not a good idea. So we're going to take a break here. If you're listening to us on 1200 WAI for a news, traffic, and weather update at the bottom of the hour. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting service, thank you very much. Uh, That update will get skipped um, because the news, traffic, and weather on December the 22nd may not be relevant to you in the middle of 2019 when you could be listening to this program uh, in our archives. Uh, We will uh, return from the break. I'm going to talk a little bit with Katie about uh, being a female CEO in in a tech startup world and uh, how that works uh, here in Texas and uh, what her experience has been and kind of uh, good, bad, all the the great things about it. Uh, So uh, with that, uh, we will be right back. If you can't stick with us, uh, this will go up on our website on Wednesday, uh, December 26th, the day after Christmas, so you can... uh, listen to this replay uh, just after you finish the shopping and you're uh, throwing away all that wrapping paper so uh, with that uh, we will after this really be right back Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran, and we're talking about a new way of online shopping. Well, it's not really new, but Katie and uh, Dear Duck are trying to make online shopping better for all of us and uh, all of these experiences. If you just uh, turn it on now after that news, traffic, and weather update on the radio, you can listen uh, to uh, our first half of the program uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, or you could look at a still photo of us on YouTube. We'll put that up there. Uh, she mentions the table that we're sitting at during part of that, so you could see the photo on YouTube there. If you, you go to our website as well, we'll put a photo up with the archives. Uh, and then out there uh, on any podcasting service, you can find the CyberTalk radio program. We've been on the air for a couple of years now, and there's uh, hundreds of episodes. Some of them uh, are relevant to what we've been talking about today. I've, I've done uh, a couple of uh, programs specifically on uh, data privacy uh, and, and kind of what's going on from a, a consumer perspective. And uh, for those of you that think all the internet companies really know more about us than the other merchants, it's not true. Um, If you want to try sometimes, just uh, call one of those phone numbers on a billboard where it says, hey, you could advertise here, call this number, and ask them questions. And they will know uh, likely much more about the the number of people that drive by that billboard than you would ever imagine. And demographics about them, these are all still these stereotyping buckets, um, which we we talked about. about some in the, the first half of the program as well. And really, um, I'm not just a 32 to 46-year-old uh, male that lives in San Antonio, Texas uh, and works downtown. Uh, there's lots more about me than that. And as uh, Katie was saying, uh, with uh, they've been working with uh, the Pearl here in San Antonio. That's one of their customers they can talk about. And uh, that... Uh, all of the profiles for all of the, the folks uh, there in, in the Pearl in this Buying for Others platform, uh, no two are the same. Yeah, and you know, something you mentioned just now, Brett, is the stereotypes. And even when you start drilling down into things that you would assume, you know, like, okay, when one of the studies we did, for example, before building out Deer Duck was 
this store is 20, 20 women who had the same favorite store. So you would assume that you could go in, you know, they would probably like similar things. And we had them put together outfits that they would choose from like shirt, pants, jewelry, those things. And no two were the same. So that was really like some one of the first indicators that we started studying is having people that might, that would normally fall into one stereotype. Yeah. So uh, with, for those that stuck with us through the break, we had... Uh, told them we were going to talk a little bit about uh, the female entrepreneurship. And uh, I had on uh, Kat Dizon, who's uh, leading up the uh, Alamo Angels Network here now during our, our San Antonio Startup Week. And if you wanted to hear that conversation, uh, that's up on our archives as well. Uh, but we, I talked a little bit with Kat uh, about it. I would like to kind of continue that topic with you. Um, uh, thoughts about the female CEO. What does that mean? Oh, um, you know... Kat's amazing, by the way. So if, if you haven't listened to her show, you should. Um, but being a female CEO, you know, the, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of conversation about the topic. And the metrics are, you know, the metrics show that you're at a disadvantage. Um, but what I try to do, and I know that a lot of other females that I surround myself with, is, you know, don't think about that. It's just you are another CEO. You're running a business. You're raising money. You're doing all of these things that any other CEO is doing. Um, and understanding the disadvantages, and under and I can talk through some of those, but understanding some of the things that are just, you know, they come along with it um, and being able to react to those in, in a unique way, but, but not making yourself feel like you're at this disadvantage. Yeah. And so what are some of the, the disadvantages? I'm curious uh, what is you're hearing out there in these conversations. And then as we've been talking stereotypes, are some of these things just stereotypes as well that people need to get over? Absolutely. I'm. We can use this to say get over the stereotypes. Um, and, and what's interesting about female entrepreneurs, women CEOs, is that the data shows their businesses are more successful. But the data on the other side shows that it's extremely hard for them to get funding. Um, they amount for a tiny, tiny percentage. I think last year might have been 2% of venture capital um, funding. So those numbers are real. Um, and, and when I remember I had a conversation with someone a few months ago and they asked if I had ever felt at a disadvantage. And my immediate response was no. And then they shared an article with me that was super interesting and I realized after reading that that, you know, actually maybe I had been. And to give you an idea of what that article, um, the content that it that it talked about was the questions that people ask women. And other women will ask women these questions. And they don't realize that they're doing it. But I've been so aware of this. And, and I'll use an example of in an investment meeting, um, an investor, whether it's male or female, tends to ask a male questions like, well, what happens when you scale? What happens when you, you know, bring on so many customers that you need to hire new people, you know, more people, expand your team? And the same, they're trying to get to the same response, but they would ask a female, how are you going to scale? Do you think that you can scale? Um, so these, you know, the questions are very different. And I noticed that. And I actually started thinking back and I, you know, that's very, very true. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So, it, and we've we've seen this in a number of different fields uh, where you you have these stereotypes uh, against females, and then but I'll take music as an example. So now uh, for tryouts and for scoring and judging in a lot of like the, the symphonic music competitions, they do it behind a screen. 
Mm-hmm. So you can't see male or female or race, uh, ethnicity, any of that sort of thing, what the person's wearing. So you, it eliminates everything other than just being able to hear them play and perform. And with that, all of a sudden now um, in the musical side of things, you're seeing um, symphonies across the, the country uh, that do this for their selection. Very many female first chairs where you, you wouldn't see female first chair violins back um, before this type of practice went into place because there was just this thing that the man just plays it better. Like it, and it's just That's so interesting. A complete stereotype. Um, and and so this is an interesting one. I wonder almost from an investor perspective if there's a, gonna, a, a creative VC firm out there where they'll start screening investments in a way where you just look at it and try to eliminate all those biases because that's what you, you were talking about in there. They're asking different questions which lead them down a different path because they have these preconceived notions or biases coming into the meeting. And we, we all have them. We'd like to admit that we don't or pretend that we don't. But yeah, I think everyone has to admit that, that you do. Right. Well, and the most interesting thing about that that statistic and, you know, the, the fact that these questions are asked in different ways is that females do it as well. So that really shows that people aren't they aren't aware of that bias. Um, yeah. And, you know, one way that I have reacted to that is is that if you know those questions are coming and you know that you'll be asked a question in that way you switch your response. I mean, you, you respond as if they didn't ask it that way um, so that you can level up and I didn't always do that. You know, I, I would kind of apologize and make up for the fact that I have to now explain why we will be able to scale. And if you aren't aware that things will be asked this way and you answer them the way that you heard the question, you're at a complete disadvantage and you won't be able to level up. Yeah. Have, have you had the suggestion, you don't need to, to name any names for sure but, uh, <laughs> on the air, but have you had the suggestion for uh, when doing investor meetings that you bring uh, a male member of uh, your team with you and have them in the meeting and let them do a good amount of talking? You know, what? I, I've had that suggestion and I don't I don't agree with that suggestion, though. Yeah. I feel like if that if you bring a male with you, then and I have, you know, other um, CEO friends who have done that and they end up you know, they're the ones that are leading the company. They're the they're the one that will be able that should be invested in and. Um, the questions and everything end up going directly to the male and not just at that time, but it continues the relationship to be that way yeah. and kind of like filtering through. And so, you know, I think it's so important to have the right people involved in your company and that's, you know, you should represent yourself. Yeah, you, know, you, you absolutely have to. So anyone thinking out there, if you, you hear that advice, it's terrible advice. Throw so, it out, throw yes, it out. Yeah. <laughs> the, the CEO needs to be leading all investment meetings. I mean, as I, I view responsibilities as CEO, number one is to make sure there's money in the bank. And then number two is to build a compelling vision so that people want to come work for it. And then number three is to maintain that long-term vision. And if you, you can do those three things as the CEO, everyone else gets to go do the, the, the rest of the executing. So you I can throw all my other hats. jobs out the window? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Eventually you can as you <laughs> right. scale. Right, yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, when you start out and it's it's you, you by yourself, you get to wear every single hat. But, right. Uh, as the business grows, yeah, you get to throw some of those. Ones, but you can never throw the investor relations hat out. That right. one's always got to be uh, number one for the, the CEO. So, yeah, if you're a female entrepreneur out there and you've had the advice of um, bring a male advisor with you or is even from an age perspective, uh, if you've had the advice of you're too young to do this investment meeting by yourself, let me bring uh, somebody to help them help you steward this you you need to be leading and on point in these meetings right absolutely don't be don't be afraid to yeah 
Uh, so what are some of the other let's see, so we, I mean, the female-led business is more successful in many areas. And it's interesting, a, a number of the the big success stories on the female side um, have been bootstrapped. Um, mm-hmm. And like Jessica Alba bootstrapped it. She had some good amount of money coming right. in to, to from her, <laughs> for her first career before <laughs> to she start started. start bootstrapping, right? Yeah, so that was that was one, uh, yeah, where her pockets were kind of deep. But like uh, the story behind Spanx and some of these others, like where they, they couldn't raise venture capital money, they didn't, and they were, and because of that, they went and built these very successful businesses that, uh, the VCs missed out on. Right, right. Well, and there's so many factors that go into that. I think going back to how some of these questions are asked and how women have had to bootstrap because they weren't able to get funding, women tend to, and I do, it's not a negative thing, it's just a misunderstanding between the way that women talk about things and portray things and the way that um, a VC male or female may understand because they're used to listening to men. They listen to more men. Um, and an example there is a woman will be very realistic with her projections. Yeah. Um, she'll be realistic with her projections and say, this is what I know we can achieve, you know, no matter what, and this is what our goal is. And a man will come in and the projections he'll be giving are way above his goal. You know, it's it's um, kind of showing this, you know, huge um, – huge goal that, that that they're that they're working towards and so that's a big difference but also women tend to ask for less and that's something I've had to learn um, we tend to ask and I'm not saying we, I, I don't want to stereotype so I'm not yeah. I'm not meaning that but I'm saying um, it, you know I'm, I'm guilty of this of saying this is what we need to get to this baseline yeah um, and I've had to really learn it's you know through amazing advisors um, that you have to ask for what you need, and it, if you need more to get to that next big level, then ask for it. No, and generally, it's it's pretty safe to um, almost double your ask for what you think you're going to need. Right, yeah, double, d- double, du- double the ask. Yeah, so they can always come back and say no. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and to your, I think you asked a question that was great about you know how do these women that you know using Spanx and Honest and these different companies how did they make it bootstrapping and I think that's part of the drive too women kind of had this intuition of they had to you know survive and lead families in the past and um, they won't stop which I think that that drive and ambition that they have is something that will get them through and we've done it you know through the low times and when you don't have a lot of money in the bank you'll find a way so uh, from we, we talked some about investing and I've said, I said it's my individual perspective i guess the ceo is investing and or being number one number two hiring so hiring is a our, i guess two-part question on, on here uh, dear duck are you y'all hiring right now uh and then two hiring as a female ceo do you have any differences or experiences you want to share there yeah we are hiring so thank you for asking um and, you know you mentioned earlier one of the roles as a ceo is to build your team and to build a desirable company to work for so um, we're hiring um, a number of roles. One of them is a tech lead. Um, so if there's anyone out there that's looking, um, we are looking for that role, um, and we would like it to be here in San Antonio. We're also looking for account managers. We're starting to grow our customer base and looking for people to come on board to help manage those. Um, are as these jobs posted on your website? They aren't yet. They will be in January. Um, the holiday season has been extremely crazy for us so yes. we're getting through that and um and starting january you'll be able to find these okay and that's deerduck.com yeah deerduck.com okay so uh, hiring is a, a 
female CEO is you have the conversations with prospective employees. Do you, you feel that that's different or have you had any, any you don't have to name names again, any, but uh, any awkward things where you're just like, I feel like they're thinking about the company differently because it's female led. Yeah. You know, and I don't know about that as far as the last part of like, if I'm trying, if I'm interviewing someone, are they thinking about the company differently? Yeah. I hope not. Um, but that's something, you know, that's an interesting thing for me to be aware of. Um, as far as my hiring technique, I would like, I hope that whether you're male or female, that everyone has their own hiring technique. Um, I don't know that it should be gender based. Um, one thing that I look for and I constantly do is even when we're not hiring, I'm at job fairs, I'm doing things, I want to start meeting people. Um, and I mean, Deer Duck was born to build relationships, so I'm constantly doing that and making sure that we have the right people. That's your, your, your next product segment, hiring for others. Yeah, hiring for others. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, it's so funny. I met a man, um, I don't know if you all know um, Bob Metcalf, who start, created yes. the Ethernet, essentially, and he he sends me the funniest emails that are, you know, buying for, well, the subject line will be, buying for others can be anything. And he's, you know, um, but constantly thinking of any decision that we have to make for others. Yeah. So maybe, stay tuned. <laughs> yes, now you never know. So uh, from uh, your experience here in San Antonio, so you guys came in as part of the, the Realco Accelerator, um, and you're, you're working with mentors there. Uh, and what experiences through that program, through part of this San Antonio community, um, do you feel like as a, a female entrepreneur you have a responsibility to show that females can be successful in this? or Because are you the only female CEO in Realco right now? I am. Yes. Yeah. So you are. So you're out of, I think they have eight companies at the moment. So you're the, the army of one. So back to the those army numbers, of one, <laughs> those, those, those numbers again. Yeah. Like uh, that one out of eight, is probably roughly the average right now out there. If we, right. we take some macro stats and that's not great, probably it should not be one out of eight. Um, but that's it. That is what it is. Right. It's just, it, I think that, you know, when you look at the numbers of, females who get funded and females who have, you know, different opportunities, there are fewer females. So that's one of the issues. Yeah. So do you feel any unique responsibility out of this or no, you just try to keep your blinders on and your head down? Yeah. You know, I think that's an interesting question that I don't know that I've thought about in that way. But one of the things that is important to me is to, you know, I mentioned that females communicate differently and to constantly be teaching my mentors and my investors the way that I communicate. And they know that we're successful. They know that we're doing good things. Um, but they also have to understand that when they are bringing females in through the screening process and those different things, that they're understanding why they're communicating the way that they are. And it doesn't mean that it's a less you know, opportunity for them or a smaller opportunity. Yeah. So that's a good one. It's making them aware of some of these, the, the biases where you're, you're not going to have as much bravado going, well, we're going to sign up a thousand customers next year right. when the, the, the goal might be five. Right. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and that might be, yeah, the, 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 the realistic target is five right now. Um, and then the other person that said they were going to sign up a thousand, they weren't really going to sign up a thousand. They were going to sign up five as well. They were just going to tell you a thousand. Exactly. And maybe they thought a thousand. Right. But um, yeah, so it's teaching them and really showing them how females communicate, that it's not a negative thing and also um, that they perform. I think I mean, that's one responsibility that 
I think in real co or out of real co, I would ha- I just have as my you know myself. I'm going to perform. I'm not going to stop. But it's it's showing that you know that ambition. So we we've talked about all the challenges of female entrepreneurship. Do you feel like there's anything that's been easier? And the, I mean, the answer to that could be no, not really. <laughs> um, I'm glad that that's not the answer. Um, it is not no, not really. We you know, there are so many organizations, both male and female that are trying to solve these problems. And so the support is amazing. And I think, you know, my point of view is take advantage of it. Um, Instead of feeling like the, you know, instead of feeling like you're at a disadvantage to all the women out there, own it. (laughs) And take, take every advantage you can get. Don't don't go on. I could do, I'm not taking these handouts. I'm not taking, take everything. everything I take it all. Yes. No, because there's, there's a, 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 thousand challenges you're going to run into and and every one of those that you can check off the list by getting some assistance from someone uh, yes yeah is is absolutely they're offering the assistance because they want to give it they right yeah so it's not you're not taking a handout you're you're accepting assistance that someone wants to provide right and whether it be assistance on that topic or anything else i and my advisors know this about me. I am not shy to ask for help. And I will, you know, people truly want to help other people, whether it's in work or life. And that's something my mom taught me when I was young. She's like, people love helping. So um, help others and take all the help you can get. So Deer Duck, the the name, the company name. So it's it's good. It's easy. We can spell it on the radio. Everyone, when we just said your website is DeerDuck.com, they can go there and find it. So my, my one of my rules for naming is that it's just easy to pronounce yes. spell all of those are wonderful uh, but is, is there a story behind it more than just picking two words that are easy to spell so I will say um, for anyone listening that it is d-e-a-r duck yes. oh, not, yeah, not not two uh, animals combined yeah. um, we actually get you know my parents live in Louisiana and yeah you know the the gaming and hunting um, there so people people get a different point of view on what the brand is but um, so yes it's easy to um, pronounce and spell the meaning behind it so I mentioned a couple of times that we are all about building relationships and we wanted something fun but also emotionally provoking so the word dear is how we start a letter it's how we start a form of connection it's a term of endearment the word duck, it actually dates back to Shakespearean time. It's a British term for someone you love, aside from being a fun, cute little animal. Yes. So we combined those to act on that emotional piece and connection, but also kind of make it a bit quirky. There you go. It, my favorite part, though, is our, our mascot, Frank. He is the two Ds. His body's the two Ds back to back to form a connection between two people. And then the orange wing represents everything that is important and dear to you on the inside. That's a, a wonderful story. Thank do you, you. Do you guys tell that on the website somewhere? We do. Um, yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say if you don't, you need to add that. That's a, a web page. You a page you should add on the website because it's just a, it's a good story and a good ba- background um, that gives some folks some context back to that personalization and the the understanding and the connections again. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So in this whole world, we're, we're, uh, we're getting close to the end of the program, and I'm gonna run us back into a, a maybe a bigger complicated topic but we've been talking entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship uh you can kind of go into and start a business in a category in an area that's already defined and you can figure out how to do it new and better but this i'm this whole buying for others thing we're doing it but i don't even think anyone thought about it as a category before you did 
um, it was just shopping and it and it was we bought different things. So how is it going out trying to define a whole new category? It's hard. <laughs> um, and and right, we, we've bought, we buy for others all the time. I've mentioned that we, you know, every day we're buying or making decisions for other people. But the way that businesses have thought of that is, you know, every, whether they're, if they're marketing that gift guide to you, you know, everything is being marketed to you as if you're the end user yeah. and they don't, you know, personalization is huge. It's one of the biggest growing industries um, right now and has been for a while. But because they don't know who you're buying for or who you have any sort of relationship with, they can't help you. So, you know, what we've experienced a lot of challenges. Creating a new category is hard. Um, one of the biggest things was messaging. We don't only have to learn how to message this to our customers, which is a business, but teaching them how to message this software and tool to their customers who are essentially buying for others and using it. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, yeah, there's the the fine line on all of these things of how do you make the right personalized recommendation without um, crossing that creepy boundary, right? And the you know buying for others and BFO has um, it seems so obvious, but the path to get to that phrase was almost hilarious. I mean, one of my advisors, Gary Belsky, he's written numerous books on he's in New York um, content and connecting with your with your customers and. And he's just brilliant when it comes to naming things. And we spoke every Monday morning for months trying to name this segment and um, this category. And one day, you know, we, t we always talked about what is the action you're doing? You're, you're buying for someone, you're doing this. And it just kind of appeared out of nowhere and seemed so obvious. And after we named that buying for other um, category it became much easier people understand it and they you know whether it's the business or the consumer it's been um it's been a huge shift for us yeah well thank you very much katie for joining us on cyber talk radio if you just turned uh, 1200 wai on right now you're listening to cyber talk radio and uh, talking with the ceo of deer duck uh, we've been talking about a new way of shopping online and buying for others and uh, how the internet is going to change and hopefully get smarter so uh, you, you stop getting those uh, advertisements for things that don't make any sense uh, from the places that you try to frequent.